y'all at home, we y'all in my living room. We just kicking it. This is please do not be all sitting there off, you know, oh, I can't talk. Nah, I need y'all to talk. Like, yo, but what about in this and that? Like, we're talking, we're having a dialogue, and this is a chance to dialogue with some people that have been in the industry for a minute, um, people that really understand what's going on. So this will be a great time. One thing I will say is kind of funny, it's just like in my classroom. Poor front row. Why is everybody always scared of the front row? Back is packed. The back is packed. Everybody in the back, like, yeah. But I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. Last time, okay, I'm taking 6'5. The last time I killed 60. Hey, man. 60, 60, 60, 60 on right. Alright, so. Man, we need some love in the front row. Look at that. So we're doing the um, indie artist panel, and, and this is a real good chance. We're basically going to pick these guys' brains. So you guys are all artists, so you wouldn't be here, right? So things you always wonder, things you always like, yo, how in the world do they get to blah, blah, blah? Yo, I heard John Robinson on Sirius XM. How did you do that? Like, what, what did you do? Like, how did you... Those are the things you guys need to know. That's what we're here to share with you, all right? So let's talk about who we got on the panel. I'm gonna say their name, and I'm gonna have them do a quick brief, like, yo, this is me, and then we're gonna keep it moving, okay? All right, to my left, 60 East, tell them about yourself. What up, what up? 60 East, artist from uh, LA, founder of the Happiness of Pursuit Festival. Uh, done everything in the game from booking, managing, uh, merchandising, accounting. Uh, toured a lot of Europe, toured a lot of the United States, worked with a lot of um, artists, Evidence, Blue, some of the artists uh, on the line of yesterday. Uh, yeah, glad to be out here. Uh, my name is Zil Poetic. Uh, I am an Ohio-born MC producer artist. Uh, I also run my own sound production and graphic visual design company. Uh, Co-run a label with uh, my guy, Michon Harper, up there. And uh, yeah, that is me, Zil Poetic. No doubt. Peace, everyone. John Robinson, a.k.a. Cy. Um, I am an MC, producer, visionary entrepreneur, uh, recently published author. Uh, been in hip-hop. Yeah, y'all could clap for that. Yeah. Nah, that's exciting. Me and Jay Rawls co-wrote a new book called Youth Culture Power. Um, Came through the channels and the likes of uh, Bobito's Fondalem Records, The Lyricist Lounge, Subverse Music, Shaman Work Recordings. Work with so many dynamic next level artists like MF Doom, uh, Mad Lib, Flying Lotus, J Rawls, Aloe Black, Showbiz and AG, etc. And um, I'm here to learn and share, definitely. And, um, and my name is Jay Rawls. Um, hey, y'all know me, Columbus. This is home, right? So um, just real blessed to be able to, to do what I do. Uh, producer, DJ, uh, founder of a, a label called Polar Entertainment. Polar is a positive outlook links active reality. As I when I when I was um, when I created the label, I was going through some things. And somebody said, man, you should always have a positive outlook. You know, stop thinking of the negative. And that's something I've always had to fight with because I've been one of those dudes that's like, dang, man, you know, it can't happen. I'm in Columbus, it's hard, it's this, it's that, right? You know, I'm sure some of y'all have felt that before. And it's like, nah, start looking positive and, and, and have that positive outlook. 
because that will become your active reality. So that's where that came from. Um, DJ, I've done a little bit of everything. Been blessed to be able to work with uh, most of Quali, Beastie Boys, uh, Pete Rock, just a lot of different people, Ninth Wonder that, that I work with. Um, but we're here today to share with you guys. So what I'm gonna do is kind of start it off by asking uh, these guys just to tell a little bit about um, as an independent artist. So we know what independent means, right? Let's let's check that first. Major label, what's what's major? What's the difference between major and independent? Anybody? Money. Okay. Budget, money. Distribution. Distribution. These are the words I'm looking for. What else? Support. Support. Excellent. Okay. Touring. Touring. Excellent. Writing the whole script. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Team. You got a team that that handles a lot of things because as you all know, doing this by yourself is hard as <laughs> right. So don't don't look up here and think that none of us had a team or had people helping us. That's what it's all about. So what I'd like to do is have um, each of you guys just talk briefly about um, how important is being able to do as much as you can in-house. We're talking artwork, recording the project, engineering, then what do you need? People need to see it. In, in, this, in this day and age, people need to see the music. You know what I mean? Does everybody know what I mean by that? They need to see it. If they don't see it, it's not real. It's like, yeah, okay, you did a little something. So videos, the marketing, the promotion, the touring, the distribution. How do you guys handle that as far as like, in-house and, and how do you get that done? Google, YouTube, or your friends, uh, learn learn how to do as much as you can by yourself. The thing with like, I have friends that are like, you know, couldn't wait to get a booking agent or a manager, and now it's like when they see the percentage coming out of their bank account, they're like, wait a minute, what are they doing that they're getting this much money? You know, it's like, don't be such in a hurry to hand over everything to somebody else because a lot of the time, like, especially running the festival now, like I've been trying to book certain acts and their booking agent won't even tell the act that we reached out just because the booking agent's only making X amount of dollars. It's not worth his time. So it's not worth his time. It's not worth the artist's time. So that's like, it's a really a, a disadvantage. Whereas somebody like, if you're answering your own emails, you can make that bag and not have to, you know, pay anybody or whatever. Um, learning, like, Having the lawyer, you don't have to have a lawyer do all your ASCAP and all that stuff. You could, you know, just start watching YouTube, start reading, figure it out yourself. Um, yeah. Um, I say to a, a jump off point uh, from what Sixty was saying. Um, you know, no one person can do it all. You know, it gets it's only so much time in a day, but. I say, you know, one thing I, I started out emceeing and then producing because I wanted music around my voice and I couldn't find the type of music I wanted around my voice. And it so happened I love producing. So I became a full fledged like professional producer. Um, but there were other, you know, there are other things in the process of creating and putting out a record. You know, there's graphic design, there's shooting videos, there's again, booking a lot of the business that comes into play. It's a, it's like a, an assembly line <laughs> from the point of writing and producing to mixing to mastering to art to visuals to then releasing, finding distribution, uh, booking tours, doing all that. That's a lot of stuff. And not one person can do them all successfully to their maximum potential. However, as an independent artist, if you at least learn how to do them 
for yourself to a degree. Like, I'll make my own album art. I'm not that great, but it needs to get done. Then when you look for a graphic designer, like a professional, you already have your vision in play. You have an idea, you know what makes a good graphic designer. You're like, well, I could do this myself if I have to. I'm not paying you that much to give me that work. Um, same with booking. If you've already tried your hand, you've promoted some shows, you've talked to promoters and uh, booking agents, you know what to look for in a booking agent. It's, it's just you're informing yourself of every career that exists around you as an artist or a producer. Um, and so yeah, you don't have to keep doing everything yourself. It'll wear your brain out, but you can at least get to a point where you're like, you know, and it won't be that hard. Uh, using my, my manager, Michonne, as an example, Sean's, we, like, I wasn't necessarily looking for him to manage me. I was just running at maximum capacity for myself. And he stepped in and was like, I see you out here. I think you could get here if you had someone to take care of these things. But you're already, you're juggling them all, you're doing it. I think I could probably do these things a little bit better. You could focus on being an artist. And it, and it worked out. And that's because, you know, like I was already trying my hand at it. So that's what I would recommend. Just give it a shot. And, you know, it, it informs you. No doubt. Yeah, all that these guys said, I totally agree with. And I would add to that and say, my main thing is be multifaceted in this period. Like, I agree, learn as much as you can because we're in a time now where you usually don't attract the right manager or the right team to help you until things are running. You know, a lot of times when you're in the beginning stages, you're working with the people who believe in you on the ground level, who really know you and just believe in what you do. But when you want to level up, a lot of times the people on the outside looking in want to see something. They want to see some traction. They want to see that you're out there on your own and it's up and running. You know, a lot of people try to jump to the manager or jump to, you know, nurturing two million fans, but they can't nurture a hundred people and communicate successfully, consistently on email with just a hundred folks. So how are you going to communicate with two million successfully? So I feel like respect the process, but level up. Learn the game. YouTube and Google are definitely your friends. I call it YouTube University. You could damn near type what my mama looked like and a picture might pop up. That's how powerful it is. But yeah. And also one other thing, leverage the skills you have. What I notice is usually creatives have other skills that connect to what you're doing. So you might be an MC like Ill Poetic, but you also do graphic design and make beats, or maybe you do video or whatever it is, leverage those skills too, because you're gonna need them. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of different uh, moving parts that goes with becoming a successful independent artist. And I feel like a lot of those skills are important and even more important, Build your outsource team. Ill Poetic mentioned you can't do it all at this all as one person, but guess what? You can start outsourcing. So as you're growing, you may have that friend or associate who's really solid with graphic design and they don't charge you that much. Use that outsourcing resource. Outsource. Uh, all right. So the way I want to do this, I just wanted to give you that little introduction on how, you know, how they do everything in-house and that kind of thing. But what I want to talk about is the process, right? You guys are figuring out how, you're here to figure out how do you do this? How do you do that? What's your process? So what I want to talk about, I'm just going to throw out different topics and then I'm going to have you guys speak about your process 
of getting those things done. The first thing I want to talk about is um, connections and networking. Okay, let's talk about how important that is. Well, first, I'll just mention how important it is. I think we all know that. But what I want to talk to these guys, I want you guys to speak to how do you make those connections? What do you do? How do you put yourselves in situations to get to know blah, blah, blah? What is your process to build your network? Because the most important thing in, in this, and I just wrote a whole book about it, is relationships, right? Um, I mean, let's, let's just be honest. I'm here because somebody introduced me to Talib Kweli, right? And when that happened, I met Kweli, he introduced me to most of And then from there, I met such and such. And from there, I met such and such, and I kept building those relationships, right? That process is super important. And it's really important in everything, but it's important in this industry because nothing, you guys tell me if I'm wrong, but nothing that I've seen really happens, it's not really all the time based on, yo, he's a dope MC. Nah, she's a dope MC. Nah, it's, well, I've known him for a long time, I'm about to do, let me help. It's that relationship, it's that networking. So talk about like, how do you go about making those connections or putting yourself in spaces to make those connections and, and how do you network? What's your process? And we honestly don't have to go in this order. But yeah. We can switch it. So if somebody wants to go first. Yeah, let's flip it. Um, what you said, Rawls, super key. Affiliation is everything. Like seriously, and it could start from one connection. Like Rawls mentioned the quality thing. When you were saying that, I thought, my first record was released by Barbito Garcia, Fondalem Records. MF Doom happened to be on that label. I met Doom literally because I was at uh, Footwork, Barbito's store at the time, and he's like, yo, you guys ever met Doom? Talking to my group, Science of Life. Like, nah, we would love to meet him. He's like, yo, he just left. He's trying to catch a cab. He's probably right outside. Ran outside, he's literally getting in a taxi. Yo, Doom! Said, what up? Next time I ran into Doom, we all lived in Atlanta together. So from that little meeting, he remembered that, came to our show, and then we really got connected because of Bobito's affiliation. That later turned to, oh, you're affiliated with Bobito? Yo, Lyricist Lounge album, we want y'all to get on the album. That later turned to, oh, all these international connections and leverage. So I feel like the reason I'm still doing business is because I'm not an asshole. You know, I'm easy to work with, I'm flexible. And I wanna see the, the culture prosper. So it's like, my mindset is always, what's good for the culture? You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And that's kinda how I move. But even more so, I think, yeah, leverage who you know. A lot of artists are like, how do you travel from here? I started by, yo, I know such and such in Chicago. There's no money, but I know them. I'm going there, sleeping on their couch and finding the money and level up. I know such and such in Atlanta, in New Orleans, in Boston, and that's what I did and leveled up and made these fam-like affiliations. So now, fast forward 20 years, I literally have family all over the world. Literally. And I I say that a lot. I can never get stranded. Nowhere. I got fam in Antarctica, son. I'm kidding, but I'll leave it there. Like, what up? I'll leave it there. Um I would say for me, you know, even if you even if you step outside of music and just make it some life stuff, you know, it's about 
how you, the, the way you move through life, your ethics, your, your, your morals, you know, your word. Um, you know, you can talk about, you, you can come up to anybody at a festival and say like, yo, check out my record, check out this, check out that. And it could be dope. But the baseline for any business interaction is going to be, yo, is uh, finding a mutual friend and saying, what's up with your boys? You good people? Like, oh, he's good. Absolutely. Right. And that's it. If, if the second and this is why, like, your name is so important, not for the record you put out, but it's your legacy. You know, it's so much deeper. So. So, you know, when I when I came up in the Cincinnati scene, I, we, you know, uh, top cats, I remember thinking like, yeah, I want to be known as a dope MC, a dope producer. But more than anything, I want to be able to walk into a room or even not be in a room. And when somebody says like, you know, hey, you fuck with Opo, we can cuss in here, I'm assuming. Right. Is that cool? Is there mess? Are we, is it kids? I, I'm missing. Are there any little kids? OK, sorry. Um, you mess with Opo? You mess with Opo? Sorry. It's awesome. <laughs> But um, no, I, I can keep it clean for the kids. Um, uh, put a beep on that one. Uh, <laughs> edit it out. Keep it moving. We're good. Now, um, no, but like, yeah, you mess with, even if I'm not in the room, you know, I wanted that feeling of like, hey, anyone here mess with Opo? And down the line, everyone should be able to, yeah, that's, that's my man right, yo. Mess with him. Mess with him. With that look in their eye, like, good people, business-wise, good people, good person, dope artist all across the board. And if I can get that across the line, I'm good, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's just, again, that's not even the music. That's anywhere, that's in your school, your kid's school system, that's just in your community. That's what we all want. And um, that's, that starts at birth, <laughs> that starts as a kid, man. So that's, that's my biggest advice is just, 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 just word of mouth. Be, be on your P's and Q's, just be a good person <laughs> and you're good. Yeah, to jump off of that, I always tell people to bring something to the table other than your bars. We all know you got bars. You gotta have something to exchange, even if it's not money or resources, be willing to work, offer your time. Um, last night, Evidence, and me and Evidence are cool. I texted him, I was like, yo, I'm gonna be in Ohio. If you need help with your merch or whatever, if you need help with anything, let me know, I'll be there. He's like, oh, cool, good looking out. Just the just being a good dude, you know what I mean? And uh, in exchange, I'll set an example. Last year, I got to tour with El Zion Crisis as Jericho Jackson. And the reason that came about is because we had a mutual booking agent and the booking agent was just like, he hit me up and he was like, yo, these dudes need a tour manager, they need a driver. And uh, I know you're willing to work, like we can't pay you, but if you're willing to drive, you could open up the tour and you're gonna be in the van with these dudes. You don't think I'm gonna do that? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like I was like, yo, I'll, I'll do it for free. And he's like, yeah, well, we're gonna send the music to, to Ninth Wonder, he's gotta approve you and, and we're good. And I'm like, yo, you know, shortly after that, I get a call from Ninth Wonder, and it's just like, all right, we're gonna put you on this tour, we're gonna pay you this amount of money, and you're gonna be in the van with, with these two dudes for the West Coast and East Coast. And I was like, oh, damn, okay. And like, so just being willing to offer my services for free, and just being like, yo, I'll drive and I'll do the merch, just to be able to rap or even be on the tour, and just to be able to build with these dudes, that turned into a paycheck and a relationship with Ninth Wonder in a relationship with Crisis. Me and Crisis got music coming out now. Me and Elzai are really good friends now. So from now on, like Elzai, since we don't work with the booking agent no more, he's like, yo, you still have the numbers from all those promoters, from all the shows we did? He's like, let's scratch the booking agent, me and you, let's hit the road. All based off being able to just volunteering my time. Like, you know what I mean? So I would say that, just always bring something to the table. Even if, it's, if you're not hot, you don't have a million followers, 
offer your time, ask somebody if they need help emerge, ask somebody if whatever they need to be willing to help. Yeah, that was deep. So, okay, um, let's keep going with our, with our processes and the hows, because that's what you guys are here to do, to find out the hows, how do you do it. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is, is branding, image, um, putting yourself out there. That's one of the most difficult things that I find when I'm working with new artists, I'm working with um, cast that's, you know, doing, uh, it doesn't even have to be hip hop, whatever you're doing is like, how do you get yourself out there to where people know what you're doing, right? Because all of you can put music out on tune or something like that, right? But if nobody knows it's there, then what? It's just sitting, right? So what I want you guys to do is maybe talk a little bit about your your process of, of branding yourself. How do you put yourself out there that people can hear it and, and, and that kind of thing? So uh, it'll pop, you mind starting this off? Yeah, um, I would say in today's climate, in today's social media climate, um, stories, uh, Everybody, you know, from my experience, I've always been interested in telling a story with whatever I'm releasing, even if it's just an image on Instagram. No, nothing too too lengthy all the time, but uh, but just something to engage people to say like, okay, this isn't just a picture of me at a microphone or a picture of me making a beat or even just a whatever random picture. There's significance behind this. And, you know, for any artists that we have in here that are MCs or writers, your writers um, is a chance to actually construct that narrative of like, how do you build an intriguing story? How do you lead? How do you start? You know, how do you show an image of the front of uh, this venue and make it exciting for people to want to come out? You know, like there's you can put mystique behind it. Um, but but uh, the, the story, the story is what we all grab to ever since we were like tribal man like we were all like cavemen like it was all stories and we all tell stories to this day MCs, we are storytellers people all like every conversation we have at a party or an industry network it's a story about something else that happened were you a two by two yesterday yeah here's what happened abc that's what we want to hear so you need to be able to ideally translate that into digital life how do you tell a story and you know and, and people grab onto it man they get interested in your narrative and in your life and um and that allows you to not just be an MC or a producer or an educator, you can actually pivot through all those things uh, because people become a fan of you and the, you know your thought process and what you bring to the table, period. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say uh, no matter how big or small, be consistent. People believe in consistency. People feel like, okay, this guy or this girl's for real. They keep doing it, they're on point, they're consistent. But even more than being consistent, I feel like stay on brand. If you have a whole following, even if it's 100 people seeing you in one light, don't put up something completely off brand and expect them to jump on board. It's like, you gotta stay on brand. And what I mean by that is not only do one thing, what's in the ethics and ethos of what you do? What are all the things that connect that you think the people watching will check out? But then also, communicate with your folks consistently. You know, in my personal opinion, I feel like the biggest way to connect digitally that's been the most consistent in our lifetime is email, you know? 
Bless you. I love social media, but what I've seen is sometimes social media goes away. Sometimes the company goes defunct and now everything's gone. What, how are you going to stay connected to those people? That's why I, I still uh, advocate for websites. Stamp down your online real estate because it mm -hmm. can always stay the same and you can point people to wherever you want. But then also keep that email going. Even if you only have 25 people, start there tell people, update people, communicate, have this exchange and grow it because it goes from 25 people to 2,500 and then from 2,500 to 20,000 and now you're really communicating and you literally have cornered your market and you're able to communicate with people who support you all over the world in different capacities. Mm -hmm. I would say the, uh, the niches, no, the riches are in the niches. So no your sound. Don't if you're a trap artist, don't be trying to pitch your music to boom back fans and vice versa. Exactly. Um part of your brand, find out what else about you um that you can sell. One of another example would be Griselda for people that like like Westside Gun and Conway. Mm -hmm. They're big wrestling fans. Obviously you can know that in their music, in their merch, it's all wrestling based stuff and they've been able to tap into the wrestling fan base because of that. So find out what it is about you that also you can, you know, tap into me. I got a lot of tattoos. I tap into the the lowrider and the tattoo scene all the time. So weed. I tap into the the weed community and all that. Um, people tell me I look like Mac Miller. I can try to holler at Mac Miller. And I'm like, yeah. Hey. You know, like, and to be honest, like it, it has worked. And um, people be like, your music sounds like so and so artist. Try to tap that yeah. music. Yeah. You know, try to attach that fan base. A lot of people have told me that like. Oh, you sound like you could be on a, a, a Rhyme Stairs label or like a mellow music group. So it's like, all right, I'm going to start banging those people. So when you release your music, instead of just releasing to all hip hop fans, like, no, I'm going to this certain corner, mm -hmm. this certain market. Mm -hmm. And it really boils it down to a smaller group of people that you'll be able to be successful. Because you don't want to sell oranges to people that like apples. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. know what's special about you and the people that like what you do and target them. Man. See, here's the thing. I'm, I'm kind of surveying the room and I'm, and I'm peeping, and I see a couple people writing things down. I, I was just thinking that. Listen, this is the kind of thing you need to be. If you don't have pens and paper, no doubt. Phone, everybody's phone got notes. You guys need to put this stuff down so you can go back and revisit it. Because next week, if you saw me on the street, I'd be like, "Yo, what what did 60 East say?" And you'd be like. Uh, Right. So we, we start here with stories. You're talking about your brand. Tell a story. The, the, the best way to get known or to get things out there is to tell your story because people gravitate to stories like you tell your story. And here's the thing about that. Nine times out of 10, there's 50, 100, 200 people that have gone through the same thing. And they can relate. And that's what helps you get out there. Right. We talk about stories. We talk about know your niche. We talk about being consistent. Those are three words that you should have written down right now when it comes to branding. All right? That's the teacher in me. <laughs> no doubt. You got that, was a, that was a good summary, though. That was, that's, that's what it is. I, I listen. When I listen, I summarize. So now I know, okay? Because I'm, I'm taking notes. Like, oh, I got to work on these things for me because we can all get better. Here's something. The next, we got two more of these um, uh items that I'm going to drop out, then we're going to open it for questions. Cool? Dope, dope. Mm -hmm. All right. So the next thing I want to know, when 
you know, they, Josh, of course, I think maybe yesterday, hey, you're going to host. I'm like, oh, okay. So <laughs> when, I, when I sat and, and thought about it, and then I, I talked to the guys a little earlier, I sat and thought, like, if, if I'm on this side, what do I want to know, right? So let's keep it all the way real. We got, um, we got guys up here that do music. And, and, and that kind of thing full time. We got people here that may do it full time, but may not. But nine times out of 10 on Monday morning, you'll be up at seven or eight o'clock going to work, right? So how do you like handle like real life situations? Like play, pay the bills, do what you gotta do, and keep doing your art consistently. And how do you get, because we're talking about processes, how do you get to a point where you're at the thing where you can say, okay, I can call my boss at my nine to five and put in my two weeks. That fine line, right? Mm -hmm. Let's keep it all the way honest. That's where we all want to be, right? We want to do our art full time. That's what we do. But how do we get there? How do we know? I've had a lot of peers that, you know, in my, in my lifetime doing music, I've had a lot of peers where I got, they're like 30, 40 grown a people <laughs> that's still eating hot dogs or whatever or, or sleeping on the floor because they're a rapper. Like, yeah, but you got two kids. Like you can't, like you you got responsibilities, so you're gonna have to figure out how to balance it. So that's what I want you guys, your process. How did you get to the point like you were like, okay, I can live off this, or what else can I do to supplement? my income to a point where I'm still being creative, but I'm still doing my art. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Do you guys follow me? Yeah, because I, I, I know that is something that I would like to know. So whoever. Okay, um, once, oh, okay, it's not mine. Um, I'll start with this. Uh, a shameless plug is that at 2.15 I have a workshop that will actually really get into um, how this is done for me and like the anatomy of a diversified revenue stream setup and um, how all my incomes work in congruence and you know maybe you know what can be learned from there so I can't do all that within this context but I guess what I would say is um, Practically speaking, um, first, have a clear idea of what passive income streams and active income streams mean. Passive incomes, which I turn to call proactive income, meaning you're doing a lot of work up front uh, to allow the income to be made down the road. So, you know, streaming and publishing, per se, or building a product like an album and knowing you can sell that album forever in perpetuity. Um, so, uh, with that said, everyone's still with the day job. Um, that is your time when you still have the comfort of income coming in every two weeks, um, which is a huge blessing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, often forgotten about until you don't have it anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, like when you still have health insurance and life insurance being paid by a company, when you have all these things all set, that is the time to be setting up every possible form of passive income within your skill set possible. Um, at that point, you get to kind of tinker around and see what's working, what's not working. You can start developing your other hustles on the side. Again, say you're a graphic designer or you're selling beats or you're doing booking or whatever, and you start seeing money come in. Um, 
A, document that money, get it into a business account, formalize everything so that at the end of the year, you can actually look and say, all right, I made $40,000 at my day job, but oh shit, I'm so shoot, sorry. I made, I'm sorry, it's... Um, <laughs> um, oh shoot, I made $10,000 at, you know, uh, at this over here. And you can actually look and say, this wasn't working for me, this wasn't working for me, but over here, I made $10,000 this year. I wouldn't have known it had I not had a business account to actually, you know, year in review. And at that point, now it becomes a little bit realer. You perceive yourself a little bit differently. You're like, I think I can do this. At one point that those incomes start matching up, you can mitigate your risk and say, all right, what are all my safety nets? What happens if it doesn't work? Can I always go back to the day job? Is where's my house looking or my rent? Are my bills paid up? What's in my savings account? And you start asking yourself all these questions and you know, I always say, to make the big leap, like to take that huge risk, you better sew up every other portion of your life as much as you know how, get advice on how to do it from people that are above your pay grade, is whatever you gotta do. Um, and uh, again, I can get way deeper into all that and will uh, at 2.15, so yeah. I hate hearing uh, my artist friends be like, yo, I'm broke. I'm like, why are you broke? It's like, why haven't sold any music? And I'm like, where are your CDs at? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> How do you expect to sell music, my G? And he's like, well, you know, iTunes. I'm like, well, you promoted your iTunes to people. And he's like, nah, you know, just post it on Instagram. And I'm like, bam. <laughs> like, you gotta have merchandise. Look at Tech Nine, dude. Tech Nine's empire. Most of that shit was built, most of that stuff blew. But a lot of these artists, they're, uh, we're rappers, uh, man. Uh, we're uh, <laughs> their merchandise is a huge, yeah, huge income stream. And if you don't have merchandise, you're not making money. You buy a dozen t-shirts, uh, account for all that. Like, okay, I spent $100 making these 12 t-shirts. Sell each shirt $25, whatever, whatever. It's a hustle. A lot of us came from the streets. I came from selling weed in the streets. I would buy you know, X amount, sell it for this amount, profit this much, put it in my piggy bank, re-up, keep doing that. Now you're in a legit industry. You gotta do that with CDs, you gotta do that with t-shirts, you gotta do that with hats, everything, records, anything you can sell. Blueprint got books over there. Look at this merch table, you know what I mean? Prime example, everything is revenue. Everything that you're with your name on it is money. And um, you just gotta be able to account for that. Like I'm saying, or Poe was saying, account for all your finances. So when you start seeing your hustle, like you're, you gotta be in the streets hustling. And um, when you start to see these numbers add up, you're like, oh wow, I made this much off of t-shirts this month. I made this much off of physical CDs. I made this much off of streams. I made this much off of, and you get that number and you're like, wow, it's, it's possible, you know? But you have to have something. You can't just expect the people to come find you. You gotta have something to, that's gravitating. And t-shirts, they're walking billboards, you know what I mean? It's the best form of promotion. No doubt. Um, some things that come to mind as these two brothers were building, um, set your intentions, respect the process, don't be afraid to plant seeds. That passive income, that's the story of my life. I plant <laughs> seeds 10 years ago that are just blossoming today. Don't be afraid to plant seeds. Just because it's not going to activate right away doesn't mean it's not valuable. You know what I'm saying? Um, respect the process. Things take time. Nothing great happens real quick. If it happened real quick, I guarantee you it's not great. Or if you think it happened real quick and you dig deeper, you'll realize, oh no, that cat's actually been doing it for 10 years. 
You know what I'm saying? So respect the process. But going back to how to sustain, I feel like for me, hip hop is life. I don't separate life from hip hop. It's my lifestyle. No one has to say, yo, JR, be hip hop today, bro. <laughs> it's like, nah, hip hop is life, every facet. And that's where we are in the culture. It's like, one day uh, recently, someone was trying to get me to explain, it was an elder trying to get me to explain why hip hop, why I think hip hop is so important to communicate to the world through that ethos. I said, close your eyes and think of something cool. I was like, it's probably hip hop, whatever you thought of, don't tell me. But that, what I'm getting at is, get to the point where you're really rocking this like a lifestyle. What I mean by set your intentions, if you're not moving intentionally, doors probably won't open. If you don't believe, why would I? You know what I'm saying? So if you're not moving saying, I wanna make this happen, but not just saying it, I'm doing the actions to make it happen and open the doors, make it happen. For those of you who are still on a nine to five hustle, my beginner mentor advice, find a hustle that doesn't kill your creative spirit. You know, in my opinion on the journey now, the most valuable currency that we all own, period, is time. Time, money doesn't trump time. Money is chump change in comparison to time. You got time, you're wealthy. If you grow food, you're wealthy too. Mm -hmm. But time is everything. So respect your time, choose your scenarios and how you spend your time the best way, but also don't be afraid to reinvest. Like uh, 60 was saying, Yo, don't not get merchandise. Don't not help yourself brand yourself with the people who want to support you. Yes, a t-shirt is a walking billboard, a snapback walking billboard, but I do feel like it's still a level up. It takes time to get to that point, you know? You gotta inspire some people and connect with some people before they're willing to even walk around and promote you like a billboard. So yes, respect the process, move with intentions, plant seeds. Um, yeah, wow, time is the, is the most valuable currency, right? So, it, and uh, I just wanted to add on to that with my own personal experience, because y'all in my living room, we all family, I can just tell you. Um, for me personally, when I graduated from University of Cincinnati, um, I was a computer programmer. I was a programmer. I was doing that every day, and I hated it. Couldn't stand it. Hated it. It was killing my creativity. Work. And my cousin said, you should try teaching. And I never thought of being a teacher. I didn't go to school for education. I can't teach somebody's kids. That's crazy. But I was so desperate. I tried it. Fell in love with it. Fast forward to today, that's my greatest passion. Hip-hop and education. Do you see what I'm saying? I put myself in a space where I did something I loved to now I'm creating with both of the things that I love, the hip-hop and the education. And I also did it for um, one of the most important reasons was you think about being a teacher, you get your summers off. That allowed me to tour. That allowed me to, to, to move in different spaces. I could go you know, to New York for a couple weeks at a time in the summer and, and record or do work or do whatever. So I put myself in a space to where I was still getting a paycheck. I was still mm -hmm. handling my business, my bills, my family, 
right? Because my wife, she ain't gonna play that. <laughs> so I put myself in that space where I still had that paycheck coming in, but I'm gone. I'm not at work. I'm doing music. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. I doesn't necessarily be teaching, but think of like what you love and what you can do that will give you that space. Say you're a late night person and you like to create at night. Then you need a job that lets you off so you can create at night or something like that. You see what I'm saying? Like you, so start thinking because I don't know you, but you know you. You know what works for you. Okay, we're gonna keep it moving. The last one, last. Um, Thing because we could probably do this for two, two, three hours. Two, three days. Mm-hmm. But what I want to do is I want each of you to just give like that one last point of advice that you would like to share, that nugget, that gem that you would like to share with, with, with folks and, and give them an idea, whether it was a, a, a pitfall that you went through or a hurdle that you overcame. Um, you talk so much about the business and you said accounting so many times. So many young artists or people coming up that I, I run into, they don't understand the importance of keeping track of your money. Keep track of your merch. Know how much you sold. Know how much you know you made. And then, I'm saying, there's taxes. If, if you get to a point where you do this independently, you got to understand that part because that's what takes people down to Capone down. Like, <laughs> you got to understand the business of music understand the business of creativity and the art because yes it feels so good to write those rhymes and be at the break and spitting you know what i'm saying but when you get to a point now where you're selling it and you're putting it out now it becomes it becomes a business as well so it's a fine line so i'd like you guys just to give gems um, a nugget, you know, about anything like that, anything you guys care to share. I know I see everybody, everybody's up there praying, they're thinking, like, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's a lot to think about. So, you are, you are yeah, I can set it off. Um, yeah, I'll share and say um, earlier, I heard someone when we were talking about the difference between major labels and independent, someone mentioned things like distribution and touring and marketing. In my opinion, for the first time probably ever, independent and major, especially with distribution, it's a level playing field. Just like the major label has distribution worldwide, so do you through streaming platforms. Most people today are not going to the record store and buying physical copies. So that physical distribution is damn near obsolete when it comes to music around the world. Most people are obtaining music from a subscription or directly from the artist in some capacity. So leverage the fact that that's where we are. Understand how to use the resources that are right in your fingertips. You know, I don't call my cell phone a cell phone because it's not. It's a computer. You know what I'm saying? And we walk around with these computers every day. That's your office. Use your mobile office. You know, understand that There's distribution right now that you can get for free worldwide and not pay any fees. You want to find that out more about that? You got to come later to the 445. Mm -hmm. Shameless plug. Yeah, yeah, we got them gems for you, too. You want that free distro? But I'm going to leave it at that. I know these brothers are going to expound more. You want to go? You want me to go? Okay. Um, All right. This is this is a good one. Okay. So let's see if I can do this. I'm going to say. It's kind of a two-parter, but it's wrapped together. The first is set goals and execute on them, like reasonable goals and long-term goals, 
and execute on them. All right. Now, with that said, things happen that might alter the course of your goals. So you don't necessarily have to be straight to the goal. There may be some an opportunity over here or a hurdle over here. And uh, and it, it seemingly would keep you from getting to the goal. Perhaps it's really just giving you an alternate perspective on the goal. Um, with that said, the second part is this. Um, as you're traversing to the goal, as you're like, you know, on in route to the goal, executing away. Um, th- don't be scared of growth in the process. Uh, fear is a killer. And the example that I use personally um, that I don't touch on often actually publicly is I remember when I met my wife uh, before she was my wife um, and her daughter, who's now my daughter, um, I was scared as an artist because a lot of the older artists that I saw in my local communities and scenes, they, they kind of seemed to fall off to me after they got married and had a kid. They came to the club and they, they, they rhymes just wasn't quite as sharp anymore. They weren't as dope. They was a little, a little older, you know, just, eh. and I was just, I was scared. I was like, bro, I'm focused on my career. I'm not trying to go out like that. Like I was legit scared. Um, it wasn't until I read it and, and then I was faced with it. I'm, I met a woman that I loved and we, I knew I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm getting married. Like it's going to happen. I'm not sure how to, it, it's, you know, it's, it's been written. Uh, like I'm going to have a family. I, it's not really a choice at this point. Um, and, and so all of a sudden music and family life in my head were at odds. Um, I remember reading a book on uh, John Coltrane interviews and big jazz head and I reading about uh, John and Alice Coltrane and how you know, some of my favorite music from John Coltrane came from his era with uh, Alice. Alice. And uh, I was like, oh, so John Coltrane was married when you know, he, he had, he had the family thing going and he was making the best music of his career. Okay. Well, hold up. Perhaps I was wrong. And, um, and, and, and I found it to be very similar. Uh, you know, I took the plunge. I got married, went into family life. I had to get a day job. Was not fun. Got a few day jobs. Um, but never lost sight of the goal. Recognize that I might have to pivot it a little bit different. I didn't come into the game preparing to make the majority of my income, say, uh, doing, well, not majority, but a nice chunk of, of the money doing graphic design or helping to run a record shop in San Diego. But that's what I do. And it works toward my passion. I still get to lead with my art and my music, my craft, my, my sorry, brand. Um, but it's uh, the fear. Uh, if, if I would not have gotten married, I would not have leveled up, you know? Like I support a family with this now. I would not have even known mentally what the capacity of focus and execution was to support a family. 10 years ago, I would have never seen it. So uh, set the goal for execute. Don't be scared to course correct and don't be scared to grow when faced with a life pivot in the middle. Murs told me one time it's real hard to make money in the music business. So if you ever make money, invest in something where it's not hard to make money so you can continue doing music and not have to worry about that. So um, I always like passing that advice on. That's one of the reasons I created my festival. Again, on brand, I wanted to do something to help my community, wanted to help something to help build my name within the hip hop community, and I wanted to um, you know, make money. So I started this festival, and now I'm able to generate income from that, building relationships with record labels and these bigger artists, and using that to promote myself, too, to all the people that come to the festival that don't even know who I am, 
and um, just like, hey, I got a rap too, you know? And uh, it, it works. And um, I've been able to, aside from a couple other side hustles, um, I don't really have to worry about, you know, working every single day or whatever. And um, just having those investments in place that will allow you to continue to do music and um, work. A lot of people say they want to do music because they don't want to work, but you're going to work Ten <laughs> times harder than your homie that works from nine to five, and you're Around gonna be stressed out. And yeah, mm -hmm. oh. so be ready for that. I mean, treat it as soul. Treat it. Wake up at six a.m. and start writing, start recording, start sending those emails or whatever. And <laughs> scheduling, scheduling is everything. I mean, six to ten a.m. can be emails. All right, emails. This is my time to do business. Yep. All the late yep. people, everybody's in their office, whatever. This is the time to do that. Save the creating and all the stuff for nighttime. You know what I mean? Um. Figure that out, figure out what works for you. Another piece of advice someone told me was, uh, if you're not sending 100 emails a day, if you're not making 100 phone calls a day, you're not working hard enough, that's that's how hard you should be working, trying to promote your music and get in front of people who you need to be in front of. So, yeah, work. Love it, love it. And with that, what I'd like to do is um, open the floor for questions. I think we have 15 minutes or so. Um, let's. Let's talk, let's dialogue, y'all. So, uh, let's jump. Let's build. Let's start with her. Um, being an independent artist, I wanted to give a, uh, Frank, I guess it'd be unique for each one of you, but which, which part of that passive and active income would you say would be the largest, what, what facet is the largest chunk of your income? And what would you also consider the stream, what percentage would you consider the streaming portion? The streaming was mentioned often, but we also know that streaming is like an insignificant amount per play, but you guys being on a higher level than the artists that are here, I just wanted to get a, a perspective on that. Um, for me, uh, streaming, I mean, specifically streaming, um, I look at look at them as like windfall payments. Uh, you know, they come just like a publishing check or a licensing check or a streaming check. Um, they just kind of come either quarterly or when you least expect it. Uh, so I definitely don't count on it to ever pay bills. Uh, but it is something that will you know will dump into the label account and uh, it funds the next project for the label. Uh, so streaming does enough to you know handle some label bills. Oh. What's the, what well, from my income, like I don't even factor it into the pie. Okay. Uh, like it's, yeah, it's, it's icing on the cake. <laughs> that would be, uh, yeah, it's, uh, again, it's like icing on the cake. I know it will fund the music that we're pushing into the ethers, you know, in the future. And then, uh, for me specifically, and again, at 215, I'll kind of get into the anatomy of this. You know, I, again, I help run a record shop, uh, music production, engineering, graphic design. Those make up the bulk. Uh, the windfall payments for me are licensing and publishing checks, which typically, again, kind of go into the label account. Um, we might, I might use those to fund personal investments, especially like in education. And, uh, and I'm in school full time. Uh, so, you know, I push for, I grind for scholarships, grants, all that stuff. And, um, you know, um, that'll again windfalls, but I would say the record shop is my base income. Uh, the music production and the graphic design are the the majority percentage. I say maybe sixty five, seventy percent, but they uh, they ebb and flow depending on the time of year and you know where I'm at with clients. No doubt. Um, for me, I would say streaming. If I give a percentage, I would say streaming and selling music 
It's probably about 30%, but mainly because I have a catalog that stems from the 90s and I own all my music, you know? So I feel like once you build a catalog, the streaming thing changes as the catalog grows and you're still remaining consistently <coughs> promoting yourself. Because a lot of times when people don't know you, you rock a set, they go find you and realize, oh wow, he has two <coughs> decades of music. They go back and go through the catalog. You keep multiplying that, that becomes an active streaming situation. Another thing I would put in the pot for me is collaborations. I've been building this fam-like connection all over the world. I collaborate with people from all over the world on purpose, in Japan, in South Africa, in Brazil, in Australia, et cetera, because it levels up on my presence in those other places, but it also helps to have music. I feel like always be working, always be putting things out there into, you know, uh, the ethers of the world, of the digital space, because it's out there, the platform is there. Um, the enterprises I built around my original platform, which was emceeing and producing, were things like education. I realized about seven, eight years ago, a lot of my skill set from performance and connecting with audiences mm -hmm. that didn't know me or sometimes knew me a little bit or sometimes knew me well, that same skill set translated into a classroom. So just like at the show, if I didn't engage, my show was whack. If I didn't engage students, my show was whack and I got to refine it. <laughs> but then also I realized, oh, wow, this is a revenue stream because we're in the age of information. People want to learn, but not just the students. The teachers want to learn how to activate these innovative skills to connect with 21st century young people. Mm -hmm. Hip hop is the ethos that speaks to youth culture probably effortlessly, more than any other thing right now. So I leveraged that. I realized, oh wow, I didn't go to school for education, but mm -hmm. hip hop is education. Hip hop runs the world. So I leveraged that into education and it wound up where Rawls and I wrote a book together. And now we're gonna be traveling around to universities, institutions, schools, etc., speaking our truths and our experiences. So I feel like the level up as 60 said, is find the thing that actually makes money to reinvest into your passion, and you're on cruise control at that point. I think it also depends on what kind of artist you want to be. There's like, if you want to be a studio artist where you just make music and play the placement in the streaming game, or you want to be a touring act that you're on the road nine months a year, like, like a Tech Nine. For me, um, I make most of my money off touring and merch. Years like this, where it's more of a setup year, where I'm just working on a lot of music projects and stacking up um, music to release next year, I kind of depend more on the streaming, so I've been releasing singles. So say if you release a single that gets X amount of plays, you're not gonna get a big streaming check, but if you're consistent, all those streams start to add up. Like, you know, say one single gets a couple hundred plays, the other single gets a couple hundred plays, that starts adding up to the thousands, and when you're getting more streams, that's the thousands keep adding up, so it's not, Necessarily, you have to release an album, but just being consistent with the releases and kind of playing the streaming game is a way to uh, milk that a little more. But again, I think it depends on what kind of artist you want to be. If you're on the, if you're living on the road, the show money and the tour money, uh, merch money, that's, that's going to be your main stream anchor.
No doubt. And then just just to add on, just I mean, I'm kind of more than, than John Jane in releasing music since '97. So my catalog, I still do get the the checks, my publishing checks and stuff like that are my main source of income because it's been it's built up. But that's kind of the thing, like um, being consistent. Keep putting music out. Somebody mm-hmm. asked me the other day, like, man, how do you, when do you do all this? Like, I constantly am doing music. I, I got joints for the guys. I got joints for John. Gotcha once with it. Like we just I just keep you if you can't get to a point where you're not putting something out or not creating, because if you do, then that kind of puts a, a halt on your 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 chances to earn that revenue. So just to add on mm-hmm. Wait, I think there was one back here and then we'll continue. Um, I'm just curious about how you guys deal with setbacks. Like they're I feel like as an artist they're inevitable, they always happen. Um, I feel like for some they kinda Derail an artist completely sometimes, depending on what happens. So I was just wondering how you guys deal with setbacks. Maybe an example of a big I'll set an example. Um, you guys know Afro? Yeah. 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 All right, the record man Afro. That's a really good friend of mine. He has. He's in a position then of a certain. He's a 22 year old kid. Went viral. Already the rugged man gave him a platform. Um. Now he's got all this hype. He's kind of like the hip hop golden child for this kind of hip hop, you know? So just that amount of pressure and still being a kid, um, recently, uh, if you guys follow him, like his Instagram, all his social medias were hacked and he had like a quarter, there's like 200 something thousand followers on Instagram. So that was like, he was in a really dark place and um, all these problems coming out with his, uh, with his album, you know, he's got DJ Premier, Pete Rock, all these huge producers on this album They've been trying to get it right for the past five years, but they haven't been able to do it. And like, I'd be at his crib just trying to like get him out of this funk and, you know, uh, the setbacks are gonna happen. And, um, you know, it's been a couple of months and he was really in a dark place, but uh, we got the Instagram back. So now his Instagram is back activated. Uh, They approved him now, he can release music prior to the album coming out, so he's not just depending on that. And um, I mean, I'm just saying him because, you know, it's a familiar name, but um, setbacks are going to happen. It's life, not even just the music. You're going to, everything's fine with your music, but when the setbacks come in your personal life, it's like, oh, I music what? You know what I mean? And then so <laughs> it's going to happen. And uh, the reason why I'm saying those setbacks is just because think about your setbacks as an artist right now are probably not that big. You know what I mean? They're, they're big in, in our shoes. They're big to us. But um. There's always a, a bigger level and somebody going through it also, you know what I mean? And just, you gotta push through it. And, uh, it's just life in general, really. Um, yeah, I can I can break one down actually. Um, so, one that happened to me this past spring or a collection that happened to me. Uh, I'm again, a full-time student um, out in uh, San Diego. Uh, first, had to take a math class. I haven't taken a math class in 20 years. Sounds insignificant, but you know, got dropped into the middle of a bunch of quadratic equations. Uh, it wasn't what I was looking to do. Um, took me off focus a little bit because it's a five credit class. I had to focus on that every day. Um, a month later, my studio laptop crashed and it was it'd been running smooth for eight years. Crashed completely. Um, that is the primary source of my income. <laughs> um, and the hard drive out. I mean, I had to I lost six months of data. They had not backed up in time. Still paying for that. Uh, it was recovered, but 
still paying for it. Um, but yeah, uh, there's that. Uh, a week after my computer crash, or the same week, um, bad back injury, found out I had officially got diagnosed with scoliosis. So I'm like, that's just okay, it's not horrible. Um, that wasn't meant to, you know. Um, but it, I was out. I was literally on the bed trying to do math homework on my little travel laptop. It was bad times. Um, uh, first, so I say all that to say, this is how I handle that. First, I get kind of depressed. Um, and I just feel it because you got to go through the pain. You got to go through the process of being like, this sucks. This is horrible. This is crappy. I hate my life right now because I do like all of my, I can't go make music. I can't go work on things that I love to do. Um, I can't even get out of bed. Eh, it kind of sucks, you know? Uh, so I acknowledge it. Second is, I think, uh, the way my brain works is I start creating a list of steps. Google Docs is one of my best friends. So I'm like, all right, first I'm resting from my back. That's a bit. priority number one is my health. Like I got, I can't function if I can't walk. So I do what I need to do. I start going to physical therapy. I start doing stretches at home, all that old people sounding stuff. I do all that stuff. When I do that, now my brain is not, yeah, now my brain is not in survival mode for my health. You know what I'm saying? That's step one. Step two, I look at my poor little computer and how much it's gonna cost to get it all done. And I'm like, all right, where's money gonna come from? Cause you know, income flow kind of stops for all my client work. I have to focus on this now, I have to get all the data, I have to reinstall programs. I, it's a lot, you know? But that sounds very overwhelming. It is, but when you break it down step by step, it's like, first and foremost, I have to find someone who's gonna fix it. Who am I gonna find? I'm gonna Google, I'm gonna find this person who's rated very well, I'm gonna talk to him, we're gonna do this. We're gonna knock that little goal out. Once I knock that out, we're moving. What's the next step? What drives am I gonna put in it? We're gonna do this and do that. Oh, well, let's build the computer and make it dope for 2019. All right, now I have some momentum. Now I'm like, okay, it sucked that it crashed, but if we're gonna do this, let's do this right. I'm gonna build a nice little computer for myself. Okay, I gotta wipe window, I gotta start all over with my operating system. Cool, well, how am I gonna do this now in 2019 versus how I had it 10 years ago? Let's reorganize things, let's get the programs up and running the right way, let's get my workflow set up. This is a chance, not one that I was scheduled for or planning on, but I might as well use it effectively as a chance to rebuild my entire infrastructure and make it very formidable for my five and 10 year goals down the road. Um, so I think it slowly shifts from uh, what am I gonna do, this all sucks, to well, I don't have a choice, I got bills to pay, so I better figure this out. And when you have that clear priority list of, well, I gotta take care of myself first. After, you know, I can call someone and say, hey, this bill might be a little bit late, I gotta get right, you know. Um, but then, yeah, you just kinda set those priorities, break them down into very digestible goals and steps, and before you know it, your mentality starts shifting, I think, for me at least, until you're actually riding that wave, like, oh, good. So yeah, absolutely. Something Ilpo just said, your mentality. I feel like embrace the setbacks, embrace the obstacles. Obstacles are inevitable in any journey. I feel like in life, as youngsters, we're taught to have this negative relationship with failing. You have to fail to succeed because that's how you learn. That's how you experience. You're not going to do everything perfect the first time, but embrace that imperfection. Embrace that failure because that's how you learn. That gives you perspective. I feel like obstacles and um, setbacks build character. You know, in my mind, 
something crazy happens nowadays as an adult who's experienced, I pause for the cause and say, Jay, there's no way that this thing in the universe brought you all the way here for you to fall flat on your face mm-hmm. and everything ends here. No way. This is a setback. This is basically testing you to see if you are who you say you are. You want to do this? Okay, boom. Let's see. Do it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do it, you're not who you said you were and you don't really want it. So that's how I look at setbacks. I look at it like, do you really want to make this happen? If so, jump over this hurdle and keep going and keep rising and keep a poker face and keep in the game because that's what this thing is and life is real and there'll always be setbacks, whether it's in your creative life or as Il Po said, in your real life. Embrace them. transitioning from like doing like open mic scene a lot of free shows and all that how do you determine like your booking fee like how do you calculate your booking fee amazing good question that's Mm -hmm. a great question i always tell artists in that phase trans transform to the process where you start and say yo 20 people will pay to come see my show 10 bucks that's 200 bucks that's more than the free open mic Let's say 10 people paid, and then you level up. Now 50 people are paying. Usually I tell artists, in your city, if 100 people will pay to come see you, you probably did enough work to attract people in other cities. Mm -hmm. And now it's time to level up and go there. Maybe you go to the next city close by and not make any money, but they know who you are enough for you to get there, and then the second, third trip, something comes out of it. So my advice would be, Rock with your fan base to get you to level up. Get that 10, 15 people paying 10 bucks and level it up to 25, et cetera, et cetera. And that takes you out of that free show game. Um, My only addition to that would be, uh, because that was pretty much a lot of what I was going to say, is uh, you gain confidence from seeing those people come out enough to really know your worth. And uh, you start turning down shows and opportunities that don't match your worth. Uh, but it comes with that connection to the people and knowing like you can go to a promoter and saying like, well, bro, I got the stat and keep record of the stats. Like I got stats. I did this venue and I'm, I brought in, you know, and you can literally, you know, it sound corny sometimes you don't have to do this, but you know, sometimes they have promoters with little checklists at the door saying like, who brought you in today? And they're like, Oh, this person brought me and that person brought me. In. It's a way for them to know. So it's something you can do as well as an artist. Like, but I know for a fact I brought, 20 people in here. I brought 30 people. Then I brought 40. Like I've been growing, you know, my records dictate I should be making about this much. And you know, a reasonable promoter would say, sounds fantastic. Let's do business. And a shady promoter would say, no, I'm still not going to pay you. And you say, peace. So yeah. No doubt. Just, just to add on everything they already said is, um, I would still be willing to do shows for free. If it's a good opportunity, don't be so so quick to charge a promoter and just weigh out your options. Yeah. Um, I play both sides now, so being the artist and being a promoter for the festival, there's certain like local acts I'll try to reach out to and they'll get delusional. They'll be like, oh, I want X amount, X amount of And I'm like, yo, I seen you perform at a bar down the street and you couldn't bring three people to this show. Why are you trying to charge? And it's like, I'm trying to plug you on this festival. like. You know what I mean? So, so I mean, be realistic <laughs> um, with your fee, even if it's 50 bucks or 100 bucks to start off. I'm like, yo, like you said, I can sell this many tickets if the door's five bucks. You know, do the math, but, but be realistic. I wouldn't 
jump from nothing to 1500 right away, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, yeah, that'd be. And just last comment, just because I know you and I know like your reputation and what you've been doing right over here, right next door, you've been really building that fan base. But what I'll say, and this is to, to other, other people as well, team up, there's power in numbers. Mm. Find someone mm. else that has been making noise over there or somebody who like may have a little bit more people than you that, that and they, and y'all team up and y'all approach a venue and y'all say, hey, we want to do a little something here, we're going to charge five at the door, that kind of thing. And then y'all start building it, right? And you got Kaz right here, he does that all the time. Like just, boom, you you start adding people in to your cipher. And that's what you have done very well, very well. It's like adding other people in that, that you can team up with that's either on your level or maybe a little above because that's where that networking and building those relationships are. You like, you know, you come approach somebody, you say, hey, Elijah, would you be interested in doing a bottle of movement? And, and that's how you, do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Does that make sense for y'all? No, totally. Yeah, I wanted to jump on that. Um, yeah. Don't be afraid to throw your own shows. Like, that's how kind of I started throwing the festival and stuff like that. There was promoters, they were they weren't booking me and they were like they didn't want to pay what I felt I was worth or whatever. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna throw my own show. And then I'm gonna book cats that I like locally to open up for me and we'll see, we'll see what happens there. And um that eventually ended up being like, Well, I don't need the promoter no more. <laughs> I can just do my own like you said, I can go direct to venue, book my own headliner, book me as a headliner and throw my own show. And now artists are coming at you or promoters are coming at you trying to get on your show. You know what I mean? So that's I'll just pass that on. Don't be afraid to throw your own show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dope. Is it, where, where's it at? At Rehab. At Rehab? So you have a show next Sunday at Rehab? What time? Uh, it's from 6 to 11. From 6 to 11? And I, and I got the MC Jam Young from New York coming. MC Jam Young oh, Sunday. Jam Young. Sham Young's the homie. So Sunday at Rehab Tavern, y'all, from 6 to 9 p.m. What's the door? It's free. Free, and it's free. So now you got a whole room of folks who should be up there rocking. Word so. up. Um, so listen, come to the fun part of the event. The food is here. Sure. Big shout out to Yellow Brick, my man Bobby. I just saw him bring in a few, a few pies. So everybody, um, and I believe we have seven sons. We got the, got the yeah. group. We got water. Yeah. So, um... Food, food in the back. We ready? Set up. Ready. All right, you guys can go. Right. Um, we do have a couple ladies in the house. Let them. Let's let's be gentlemen. Go. Let's go ahead and get the food. Yeah. Well, before we close out, um, my Instagram is at sixty east. If you guys want to throw, send us some music. Um, we're always looking for our festival. Love to interact with all you guys. And another thing, back to the networking. You should be shaking hands with everybody in this room. You should leave here with 20 new followers. Definitely. All the people in here, because everybody's trying to do something. You know what I mean? So make sure to shake hands, get everybody's information, exchange business cards, do all that. Uh, for me, uh, on social media, typically illpoetic513, Twitter and Instagram, um, illpoetic on all the streaming platforms, illpoetic.com kind of is my central home base, so you can always find everything there. Uh, a, I have a merch table over there with uh, albums, vinyl, CDs, a mailing email list, as JR was saying, the importance of, uh, all that good stuff. And uh, again, 2.15 p.m., I will be getting into a full-fledged workshop, so hope to see y'all there as well. No doubt. John Robinson Music on Instagram, johnrobinsonmusic.com. Um, I'll leave by saying, don't ever 
consistently be the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. The way to level up, be around generals, be around people who are thought leaders, be around people who are masters of what you want to get to, you know, be around people who are on another level than you. That stretches and uh, basically forces you to expand, whether it's mentally and or physically, you know, um, Jay Rawls and myself, we recently dropped the book. We have the book here. We have the new album here. If you're interested, definitely let us know. But I agree with El Poe. You should be shaking hands and kissing babies straight up. And definitely network here today with everybody because we're all creatives. We're all on the journey and we're all on uh, different levels of sharing information. So peace, much love, and yeah. Thank y'all. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks two by two. Thank y'all for having us, man.